Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Hey everybody, I hope you're all doing well. So I have a lovely conversation for you today with Lindsay Madsen. She is a fellow mom on the journey of raising children with special needs. She has a son with autism and a daughter with reactive attachment disorder. That was a new one for me. So if it's a new one for you, uh, she, she explains it. She is also the director of special education at a charter school in Utah and offers her services as a tutor and consultant. We spoke a bit about her children and their unique challenges. We then discussed the need for passionate special education teachers and more school psychologists. I also learned about the 45-day rule, which I've probably been told before, but for some reason, this time it stuck. We talked about the importance of having support and COVID's effect on our children with special needs. Lindsay sends us off into summer with great advice on how to process this past year and how to prepare for the next school year. Hint, it involves bingo which uh, I think it sounds really cool. As for Walking with Freya, the podcast, I'm taking the summer off. I'm looking forward to camping, hanging out Riverside with my girls, eating the deliciousness from my greenhouse, reading all those dusty books that have been piling up on my shelf, and of course, writing. I will be back in the fall, whether that will be to introduce another round of episodes or to say an official goodbye to this platform. I'm not sure yet. That is part of my summer work. It has been such a pleasure to put out this round of episodes for you all. I've learned a lot, I've been inspired, and I've met some very fabulous people. I hope that you all have enjoyed these episodes and learned something as well. Have an absolutely amazing summer. Enjoy those kiddos and get some much-needed rest. Take care, you all, and thanks for being here. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here with me on the podcast. I'm really excited to talk with you today. You want to start with an introduction? I am the director of special education for the middle school at a charter school here in Utah. Um, I am a single mom and I have two children with special needs. Um, The oldest is autistic, high-functioning autistic. And then my middle child has reactive attachment disorder. I think she might be on the spectrum. Um, She's classified right now as developmentally delayed, and we're going to have her tested for autism. Okay. Um, Do you, I, I gotta say, I've never heard of reactive detachment disorder. Do you mind educating me about that? Yeah. So it's reactive attachment disorder. Oh, and it's where um, children, usually it's a the children are children who have trauma. Um, she had quite a bit of medical trauma as a young child. Um, she had seven surgeries in the first year of life. And it's where 
they're just not able to form that same attachment with a caregiver as other children. Um, and it leads to a lot of the same symptoms, the meltdowns, the need for scheduling, a lot of the same things as an autistic child. Um, so it's often hard to tell until they're a little bit older if they're autistic or have this attachment disorder. Mm. So what were her medical issues, if you don't mind? Oh, no, not at all. Um, she was born with a short bowel that didn't work. So she had about uh, 15 inches of small bowel taken out when she was about a year and a half. And that's kind of fixed most of her problems. But she, it just took a lot of surgeries and a lot of exploration. Um, feeding tubes, she had an ileostomy, which is where they disconnect the bowel and you essentially have your bowel sticking out of your body. Uh, and so, yeah, she had quite a bit of issues and that led to a lot of developmental delays where she didn't crawl until she was about 15 months. She didn't walk until much later. Uh, she didn't talk until she was over two years old. Um, so yeah, right now it's diagnosed as developmental delay. Uh, she's still receiving services at the school to try to catch her up. And how old is she? Uh, she's six. Six. Okay. Oh, that's a lot of surgeries for a first yeah. year. I bet that was true. Yeah, it was. Mm. And you and you said your old. How old is your oldest? My oldest is twelve, so oh, he's 12. the one with high functioning autism. And then I have a four year old who is in speech therapy, but you know, no other special needs. Mm hmm. I was in speech therapy too when I was a kid. <laughs> I was too. We're just slow speakers in our family. <laughs> yeah. So your son, your oldest was about six when I'm trying to do the, I'm not very good at math, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, when you was six. Okay. So how that must, that must've been hard trying to navigate that, having a baby in and out of the hospital and a young child imagine that was. Yeah, it was really hard and it was right about when he got diagnosed with autism so I was mm. trying to navigate all of that and the occupational therapy physical therapy speech therapy um so it was definitely definitely a difficult year of life yeah I imagine so did you get into special teaching special education before your kids or were they like your inspiration they were actually my inspiration. I taught um, middle school, high school, or middle school history before that. Um, and I love teaching. I love being in the classroom. Always thought I'd stay with history. I love history. Um, but then I just saw the need for great special ed teachers. And not that I'm saying I'm great by any means, but people who are at least passionate about what they're doing and not just checking the boxes and I knew I would be passionate about it I would say that you know being passionate about it is probably the the first uh main ingredient for for a great teacher so you're probably a very great teacher oh thank you <laughs> own it yes I should <laughs> so what um are, are your kids at the school that you are the director at Yes, I'm very lucky. It's a K through nine school. So my youngest will be starting kindergarten next year. And then the uh, older two are there. Mm -hmm. 
So it's fabulous. All of us being together. Yeah. And you get to, you're the director. So you have, um, you're kind of on, on a, uh, more empowered end of that, you know, as far as like, uh, being the parent of a kid with special needs, you know, I know like, Mm -hmm. for my part, like the issue we're dealing with right now is that we're trying to get Freya assessed for a one-on-one aid and just kept getting put off and put off. And hopefully he's there today to do the assessment, but, um, you know, it's the last few days of school. So I can't imagine it's going to be a clear assessment. And so I would think, you know, standing where I'm from that where I'm at that, you know, being the director of special education services, like you probably get a lot of, you have a lot of power in that position. Yeah. Like, or is it still like bureaucracy? And (laughs) no, I think it's knowing your rights as a parent and having a school that will work with you. Um, and those are the two biggest things I've run into when I talk with other parents is most schools and most special education departments, they're just not there to work with the parents. And the parents are unsure of what their rights are and what their voice can be in the special education process. Well, I know for us, where we're at, one of the issues is that the psychologist who has to do the assessment is the school psychologist for a number of schools because Mm -hmm. we're, you know, that's always been one of the things because we're kind of a little more rural. So there's not always like the human power to actually fill the need. And so that can be really frustrating. I don't even know how to work around that. I don't know. Yeah, that's really frustrating. They still are required by law to get it done within 45 days. Um, And so they can put it off, but if they do for more than 45 days after you've signed the consent, then it is actually breaking the law and it can be reported to the state. They're out of compliance. And I think that's something a lot of parents don't know is push to sign that paper because the school can put off letting you sign that paper knowing they don't have the manpower to do the testing or whatever but as a parent you have the right to say no I'm coming in I'm signing the paper or put it in writing and send it to the department head of special education to the principal and to honestly to the state special ed department and that starts your 45-day clock. And that's true in any state, 45 days? Yeah, yeah, it's a national law. I feel like that is a really clear detail that um, most parents don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, that's an easy one to yeah. remember. Like, there's so many things to remember and to know. And like, that one just feels like, should be like a bumper sticker. 45 days. Yeah, <laughs> Sign the 45 days. It is. Uh, school days so if you sign the day before summer break for example you know you go in and sign today Mm -hmm. they don't have to test over the summer some schools will just to stay on top of everything um but yeah it's Hmm. it's really a short period of time I mean 45 days sounds like a lot of time but that's really two months um that your kid has to be tested have the IEP meeting, and then um, move forward with services. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Yeah, that's that's great information. Yeah. Well, in her school, the teachers at her school are really uh, the teachers that I work with are um, great advocates for her. It's just that the the psychologist that has to travel around is um, so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's hard when you have to bring in outside people mm-hmm. to help. That gets tricky for sure. Yeah. So how big is the school that you work at in Utah? Are you in a big area? Do you, are there a lot of, do you have a lot of access to, to people or kind of struggle with the same? No, we're super lucky. I'm in Salt Lake County, which Salt Lake is the capital of Utah. It's a big city. Um, So we have plenty of resources. We have a a speech therapist who comes in um, twice a week. We have an occupational therapist who comes in once a week. Um, we have, we do have an outside tester who comes in and this year has helped me become more efficient at, um, administering the Woodcock Johnson and GARS and all these other tests to evaluate students. Um, so yeah, we have all the resources we need kind of at our fingertips. School psychologists, I will say are in high demand. (laughs) We have not needed one this year. Um. But it is one that can take a while to find. So maybe if anybody's listening and they have, they're feeling inspired to work in special education or, or something with kids, they, they're not sure what, maybe we should direct them to, uh, what would it be called? Adolescent psychology? Yeah. <laughs> to become yeah. And then go into education. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of loan payback options if you go into the education route because you don't get paid quite as much as the private sector. But it would be something that's so needed in every single state. You could get a job easily. Mm-hmm. So you said you're a single mom and you have mm-hmm. three children now. So how? what kind of support do you have? Um, I mean, it's great that you get to to work at the same school, I imagine that makes things a lot easier. Well, when when your youngest starts going, Um, but I imagine you need a lot of support. Yeah, and I've been really blessed with great friends to be my support and supportive family. Um, I am a huge believer that whether you're a single mom with special needs kids, a married mom with special needs or in a committed relationship with a special needs child or just any mom, you need your tribe. Um, You need those people to protect you and to help you. And the analogy that was given to me when I first became single is with elephants. And when a female elephant is about to have a baby, all the other female elephants just gather around and protect her so that no predators can come in and take care or take advantage of her in this vulnerable state. Um, And I've just loved that analogy that we as women need to rally together and protect those who might be in a vulnerable state. And I think, as you know, with a child with special needs, we're in vulnerable states a lot Um, where you just have those days where you're like, why hasn't the school psychologist come to evaluate my child or why why won't my kid follow their behavior intervention plan is one that I've been dealing with a lot this year is my son just is having behavior issues after behavior issues Um, and just finding that tribe of women whether it's your sisters your mom your friends 
who will be there to rally you and support you in those vulnerable days. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I too am blessed with very wonderful uh, tribes, women with me. I had somebody, um, there's one of the moms at the school who does uh, this mindfulness teaching and mindfulness counseling Mm -hmm. and the school is offering free services over the summer, like in tutoring and counseling for the kids. And then she's offering this, you know, free, well, the school's paying for it, but the families don't have to pay for it. Uh, Mm And this mindfulness counseling. And I was on campus yesterday and she came running up to me and she said, Hey, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that you saw what I'm offering. I was thinking about you specifically. And I just, I know that you have a lot on your plate and I just really want to offer this to you and make sure that you know it's there. And, you know, (laughs) like it was, of course, she's telling me this and my eyes started watering, you know, it was like, wow, Mm -hmm. somebody's like taking a moment to really check in with me and how am I doing? And, you know, like it was funny as before that I thought I was doing fine, but then for somebody to show like such compassion and, and, you know, this, this recognition that, uh, you know, things could possibly be a bit of a struggle. Uh, it was just, it was really, it was really sweet. I, I will say that part of me was like, wow, what kind of, what am I portraying? Like, <laughs> am I walking around? People are like, oh, she needs help. <laughs> no, not at all. You're rocking it. It's so sweet to have friends thinking about you and me and, you know, our situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had another friend recently and this, and well, and that woman uh, is more of just like an acquaintance. I know her through um, s- school stuff, but I had a friend recently who, a good friend, um, she's, I wish I could remember the book that she's reading and I'll, tr- I'll try and get it and put it in the show notes. But, um, you know, it's just about this, this whole conversation of like supporting each other and how can we be, be there and what are the ways that we can support each other and she was even suggesting like maybe she should know where I get Freya's medicine like what pharmacy I get Freya's medicine from and like who's Freya's doctor she's she totally loves Freya and Mm -hmm. you know just this idea of like you know maybe someday like you're you're really going to be struggling you need a little extra help and I want to know how to help you and so it was just it was I thought it was really sweet that she you know was thinking about even that like just the details all these little minor details that we have in our heads that yeah if something happened to us you know people would have to go searching for all those little details and Mm so um, that is fabulous that sounds like a great friend right there yeah yep she is do you get to do you get to work with your kids at the school or do they have other teachers are you do you teach or you're the you said you're the director but is that in a teaching capacity as well It isn't a teaching capacity. That is what I love. I would give up writing IEPs in a heartbeat to be with the students more. Um, So yeah, I won't take a job that is just paperwork. Um, And so I actually don't work with my students or either of my children as students. Um, We specifically have them assigned to paraprofessionals who work with them. we just felt it would be best to kind of keep that line. Yeah. Um, but they get to hang out in my classroom before and after school. I walk them to class. You know, yesterday was my daughter's kindergarten promotion and I got to sneak away from my duties writing IEPs that day. Um, 
to go watch it. So it's really fabulous being able to work at their school, especially as a single mom who, uh-huh. you know, wouldn't be able to see their kids as much if they were on the same break schedule and, you know, everything else. I'm super blessed that way. Yeah, that's great. And do you think it helps them to know that you're there? Like, are they more comfortable because you are close by? Yeah, almost too comfortable where that's been a problem this year Mm. is my children both leaving class to want to come see me. So that's a huge, a huge struggle I've had with specifically my son, um, where when he gets into the autistic kind of shutdown phase that he has. Um, he will just get up, walk out of class and come down to my room. And so we're trying to teach him better coping strategies so that he can stay with his peers, stay in the general education uh, classroom and, you know, cope with these meltdowns because, you know, mom's not always going to be three doors down to help him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that as a struggle. And you said it's just really been this year that it's been, Mm -hmm. that's kind of come up. Do you, like what part of COVID and the pandemic uh, and the disruption of life do you think had to do with that? Oh, I think that's been huge for every student and every teacher this year. We've been lucky enough that we've been in person all school year um, with masks and with a lot of regulations in place to keep us all safe Mm -hmm. and I think it was just so much especially on our special needs children um especially we saw a lot with our autistic kids the masks bugging them or any of our kids with sensory issues because your ADHD kids can have sensory issues your uh children with down syndrome can have sensory issues like a lot of kids have sensory sensory issues Um, and the masks would drive them nuts or they wouldn't quite be able to, they already struggle so much reading people's expressions and emotions that when you cover up half the face, it was just so hard. And he was like, I can't tell if my teachers are mad at me or joking or being sarcastic or, you know, and it was just really hard on him because he already struggles so much with that skill. Yeah. I didn't even think about the not being able to read the facial expressions. I mean, I think about it for myself, but I didn't think about it so much for kids who really kind of rely on all of the cues that they can get. You know, I know Mm -hmm. for one thing with Freya, it's been a struggle of like being able to, you know, she's already a little hard to understand when she's Mm -hmm. talking. And so then, you know, put a piece of cloth over that and (laughs) it's just, it's It's hard. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. It's hard. It's hard for any kid. And I think every kid had a rough year and every teacher especially had a rough year. Uh, But I think for the special needs kids, it was that much harder. Yeah. So there's probably, do you see, so I guess there's a fallout from that. And are there talks of like, are, are there new strategies coming out from this time um, of like how to, how to help kids that have been through this, or if we go through this again, like, has it kind of shifted how we look at special education or, or strategies for kids in the classroom? You know, I haven't heard much on that, to be totally honest. Uh, I'm guessing 
you know, hindsight is 2020. I'm guessing as we kind of are all getting vaccinated and moving away from the pandemic, our last week at school, we didn't have to wear masks. I think we'll be able to reflect back and say, okay, what did we learn about these kiddos? How do we make the school a little bit different? How do we make it better? Um, and I could see a lot of talk about that in the next year or two. And I think you said it, like, we're all, this has happened once. Who's to say this isn't going to happen again? How do we do it better? How do we do education better? Especially students with services. How do we provide those services better if this were to happen again? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because that was one of the things of, you know, classes went to Zoom and then yeah what about the the kids who need the you know like physical therapy and ot and um even speech over zoom was not was you know i don't know how effective that is as as far as like you know compared to in person <laughs> so yeah i would say nothing is quite as effective over zoom <laughs> unless it's one on one i feel like one on one people can do a little bit better um, when it's multiple students on Zoom, oh, it's just not effective. Yeah, well, there's so much stimulation of all the little faces. And I, mm -hmm. I wonder if, and I guess this is kind of part of my question too, is like if anything has like, if there are any kind of like new challenges that have developed for kids who like maybe wouldn't have had um, any, you know, like this kind of struggle, but after doing, cause some kids did, you know, have done a year of schooling on zoom and mm -hmm. my kids are know way more about a computer now than I wanted them to at this age. And I just wonder like what the, if there are repercussions for that and, or if, you know, there's like going to be a gap in development for this generation or, or something like that. I don't know. I imagine it's all kind of pretty broad, but I think my personal philosophy is every student in the entire nation should have to redo whatever the grade they were in this year. Um, because I think learning and teaching was just not effective. And we saw that with standardized testing scores in Utah, that kids who were always getting the highest score were now dropped one or two numbers, uh, which is very significant. And I think it brought out sensory issues in a lot of kids. It brought out the ADD in a lot of kids where it's very distracting when Bobby is over there eating breakfast during Zoom class or, uh -huh. you know, like, so I just don't think it was a very effective school year. I know at my school, our principal was great and just told us absences are going to be down. Don't worry about it. Test scores are going to be down. Don't worry about it worry about the social emotional for these kiddos this year mm -hmm. and build relationships because isn't that what we all needed during this pandemic yeah. was just to feel like somebody would just feel connected to somebody yeah absolutely well and I think of you know what what kind of um like anxiety and depression developed that maybe wouldn't have developed in certain kids you know kids mm -hmm. that we're doing fine and then after a year of this yeah the 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 panic of the whole thing and the anxiety that it caused and then yeah this lack of interaction and and face-to-face -face, uh relationships 
So mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I've, I've heard that going around a lot um, in some of the teacher circles or, you know, like on Facebook and stuff about, you know, this school year is about, uh, you know, when we, when they did get them back in the classroom, don't worry so much about the work, worry about their interactions and, you know, their mental health. Mm -hmm. Definitely, so. definitely. Yeah. So you said you do consulting and tutoring. Uh, is yes. That, do you do that like in an online capacity that like that you offer to people outside of your school, or is that something that you do in your in your community? Um. So right now it's in my community, and I'm branching out to online. Um. So it's strive-educationservices.com, or you can follow me at strive.education.services on Instagram. Um, and I am working with any special needs children. My focus on tutoring is special needs children, um, tutoring online or in person if you're here in Utah. And then consulting is um, also available online or in person. Is the consulting more for like the parents dealing with IEPs and things like that? Yeah, dealing with IEPs or a lot of people reach out to me. Um, my kid just, usually it's autism. My kid just got diagnosed with autism. What in the world do I do now? And, you know, I help them navigate the medical world as well as the school educational world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, finding ABA therapy near you or a doctor who might be able to help you a little bit more occupational therapists who specialize with autistic kids. Um, so I can help, you know, whether it's autism or ADHD or, uh, you know, it's, those are the main two that I work with, but I can help with just about anything. Mm -hmm. Dyslexia is another one I've been trained quite a bit in as well. And the tutoring is, is there a specific age group or subject? Are you available for all of it? I am available for all of it. I have taught and tutored kids from kindergarten to high school. So I can do just about anything. Nice. That's good to yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm glad that the school is offering tutoring this summer because Freya, one of the things that I really learned, like it was a really interesting time for me. I used to be a homeschool. I used to homeschool my oldest daughter. Uh, mm -hmm. and then I had two more quickly together and then it was too much, but, um, so having Freya home, having all my kids home for this, this past year, you know, my, my youngest child, she was, her teacher kind of had like, would do the work in the class and I, and she was able to kind of follow along and I didn't have to really be a part of it, which was good because I worked so hard with Freya, uh, because she had a lot of work to do outside of the classroom time. And mm -hmm. I realized just that's when I realized I needed to ask for a one-on-one -on -one aid was, mm -hmm. um, and you know, the, I mean, there's other reasons too, because of her disorder, but I just realized like, you know, how much she must struggle in her, in her classroom during certain things like math and, you know, so she's doing great. And, and it, it was actually really good for her to have the one-on-one -on -one and she progressed fairly quickly, but she's mm -hmm. still, uh, you know, not where her peers are. And so when they said they had summer tutoring, I was like, yes, that's what we need because otherwise she's just going to forget it all. And math is not my, 
subject at all. So even <laughs> even teaching her, you know, first grade math was ah a struggle, but because yes. she's a, she's going into fourth grade, but she was doing first grade math. That's kind of where mm-hmm. she's at. Okay. But, um, yeah. So I think that's great that you offer uh, the tutoring because I'm sure there are plenty of kids who really need the extra help. And mm-hmm. so on that note, um, as we are heading into summer and uh, do you have any advice for families of kids with special needs to, you know, to kind of help maybe kind of uh, like decompress from this past year and, and hopefully in the fall, we're all going back to school like it's nothing and you know we're we're past Mm -hmm. this and so do you have any advice for like just kind of getting through the summer and helping them relax and decompress and process but also prepare for going into hopefully a a quote-unquote typical school year yeah hopefully knock on wood um I'm a huge advocate for self-care for children and adults um one really awesome thing that our school did this year with self-care bingo and you can find self-care bingo for children and adults online uh and I think I'll probably put this on my Instagram now that we brought this up and thinking about it um so I'll post that some of that this weekend is do self-care bingo have a card for you have a card for your kid um and really take this time to sharpen your saw and take care of yourself and become better. Um, it's the first day of summer vacation for me. And I had an 8am massage appointment. Cause I was like, I am just starting off <laughs> summer on the right foot. Like, I think that's what we all need to do. And I have a huge advocate for reading every day, doing a little math here and there, you know, helping your children throughout the summer, learn and grow and experience new things. But especially after this school year, make sure you're taking time to decompress, to do that self-care and get yourself mentally in a better place for next school year. 